Welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. Introducing Pega Megoya, Expression of Love, new translations of a selection of guzzles from Painanlal Goya. Today's podcast begins with the recitation of Painanlal's guzzle in Persian, followed by a new English transcreation, the result of a unique collaboration between Dr. Fatima Fayaz and Dr. Nadra Khan of Lahore University of Management Sciences, Damanpreet Singh, writer and graduate student, and Inikor of Sikri. Followed by a discussion between Daman and Inni about the beauty of the guzzle and the transcreation process. Darun mardumakedide del robodidam. Behar tarafke nazar kardam o shenodidam. به گرد کعبه و بدخانه هر دو گردیدم دگر نیافتم آنجا همین تو را دیدم به هر کجا که نظر کردم از روی تحقیق ولی به خانه دل خانه خدا دیدم گدای در کوی تو بهز سلطانی است خلافت دو جهان ترک مدعا دیدم مرا ز روز ازل آمدین ندا گویا که انتهای جهان را در ابتدا دیدم Guru Fateji, this is any core in conversation with Damanpreet Singh on Ghazal number 55 from Painand Lal's collection, Divane Goya. Welcome, Daman. It's been a while that we have chatted. It's, what is it? You were saying in the beginning, 10 so. months. So after 10 months, we are on air again and meeting. It's been quite the challenge for me. The last 10 months have been challenging for me, um, health-wise and no voice. So I apologize for being away for 10 months. But Daman, what's your story? <laughs> yeah, 10 months of <laughs> no podcast. And also we haven't, we haven't talked to each other in these 10 months either. So that feels important to say. So if we like... are especially chatty, that might explain to the listeners why we're that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was reflecting that it's been nearly a year, many traumas later, the traumas continue, but we're here, the voices are back. Hopefully they'll stick around for the next hour as we talk. <laughs> yes, it's been quite the challenge with the voice. I'm going to begin with the translation, Daman, and then we'll continue with the commentary. You and I can chat about it because this is quite a lovely guzzle. I think I say that all the time, but this one kind of tugs at the heart in a different way and reminds me of so many Shabbats that, you know, I feel closer to it. So guzzle number 55 I saw the beloved within the pupil of my eye. Everywhere I looked, I saw the beloved. I circumambulated both the Kaaba and the temple. I found no one there and only saw you. I looked everywhere to seek the truth, but saw God's home within the home of my heart. To be a beggar at your threshold is worthier than any kingship. I realized 
that authority over the two worlds comes when desires are relinquished. Goya, I've heard this calling ever since eternity, that the summit of the world is in the origin. You know, there were so many beautiful lines in here. But before we begin, Daman, like we have done before, tell us the repeated word in this ghazal and what should the listeners look out for? Yeah, so the, rep- the repetition in this ghazal is of didam, which is the past tense of the verb to see in Persian, to see or to realize. Um, I think it can also mean to kind of perceive in a more abstract way, um, but literally means um, you're coming to some sort of sight, you're seeing or looking at something. And as listeners have probably already picked up on, we've, as usual, to capture the various meanings of this one word in the original, have ended up using several different words to translate it in the English, while also trying to retain the literal I saw as much as possible to capture some of the rhythm that will come if you're versed in the original Persian. And as everyone has already heard, the original Persian, the rhythm that comes with the repeat of the dham at the end of every couplet. So while we aren't able to do that because of the differences in grammar between English and Persian, by retaining the literal I saw as much as we can, the attempt is to kind of capture a little bit of that repetition. Because of course, as a reminder for our listeners, um, the ghazal form is such that not only is there a repeating word or phrase at the end of every couplet, but every couplet also both stands on its own as a complete thought, but also has some greater part in the meaning of the whole ghazal. So the repetition facilitates both of those understandings in the original. Um, Didam is a pretty interesting word, um, both because it is in the past tense, which isn't always the tense that he'll use in ghazal. Sometimes he'll be writing in present. So this is kind of a description of things he saw or realized or looked at or came to um, a perception of in some sort of past. So that might be interesting for listeners to think about and for us to think about. Um, And I think that the word didan in general and the kind of power of vision, both as metaphor, but literally seeing things differently when one either encounters the beloved or recognizes that one wants to encounter the beloved and recognizes that one is separated from the beloved, what does that allow one to see really seems to be kind of part of what um, Goya is talking about and thinking about in these couplets. Um, So maybe that's a good place to dive in to specific couplets, unless you wanted to add anything there, Ani. Oh, sure. You know, Taman, the first line just captured me. I saw the beloved within the pupil of my eye. I feel like we're getting a glimpse into Goya's Mm. spirituality. He's writing that he has seen the beloved. And it's not through his eyes. It is within the pupil Mm. of his eyes, which is Mm. beyond brilliant. Uh, Which means the beloved is Mm -hmm. within, is already existing, is residing there. And it's also interesting, uh, you know, that he he says, uh, and it's not, he's not saying my beloved. He's using the mm-hmm. beloved. So there's a difference when you say my beloved, you, mm-hmm. it could be anyone, right? But when you say the beloved, it's a whole mm-hmm. different thing. Then you know who he's mm-hmm. talking about uh, and what he is talking about. And everywhere I looked, I saw the beloved. What would that stage be? That state of being where everywhere you you see, wherever you turn, wherever you see, you see the beloved. I mean, this is, this is actually like, what, what I, I recall this as tuhi, tuhi, tuhi. Wherever I see, I see you. So much mm-hmm. like that. What are your thoughts, yeah. Daman? Something that 
I hadn't thought about what, but I just thought about as you were speaking. And I don't mean this in a, <laughs> I don't mean this in a dismissive way, but I kind of am thinking about like, what is the word for when you like see something like floating spots? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when you see like float, like, you know how some people have that in their vision and it's like yes, floaters. floaters and it's like, yeah, you can get used to not seeing them and kind of try to navigate the world with your sight and like your vision adjusts to not seeing it if you try. But if you notice them, it's like kind of impossible to stop noticing them. It's kind of what you said about it's he's not seeing something through his eyes, but it's actually inside of his eyes within the eye. It's like part of the anatomy of the eye itself that he's like realizing that it's the beloved is there rather than like perceiving the beloved as outside or as other. So I think that's like already I'm like rethinking what I thought I understood about this guzzle. So that'll be fun uh, <laughs> to think about further. Um, and the other thing that I think is interesting to think about is exactly what you said like it's not my beloved which we've seen him do in different guzzles where it's like a, a very intimate one-on-one -on -one relationship I see the ruby red lips of the beloved and the tresses and the hair but it's the beloved this is just a reality of being that the beloved is within the people of the eye. It's a matter of like whether you see that and realize that. And the other thing that's, that's interesting right. there is there are two different words just to draw listeners' attention to the translation process here. The, we've translated two different words as beloved. So we've translated two different words in the Persian in the same English word. Um, Dilraba in the first line, which is specifically like one who ravishes the heart, right? Um, it's a kind of more right. playful way um, and it's an extremely romantic way even maybe to talk about the beloved. And the second one is ashna, which I understand to be um, suggestive of like a beloved who's one's companion or more of like a friend, a beloved who's one's friend. So here we're seeing again already he's presenting us with the different aspects of this beloved who's both ravishing the heart and this kind of very playful romantic way of talking about the beloved, but is also a companion, kind of a supportive beloved in that way. Um, so we've already gotten like some of that signature complexity that he gives us just in one or two lines. So Daman, tell me, remind me, why didn't we write that aspect, that ravishing aspect uh, for the beloved in the first line? Well, I think, well, we've, so I think the, if I remember the discussion process, and again, to remind listeners, the translation process um, was a kind of multi-stage process where you and I worked with um, the other members of our team, Fatima Fayaz and Nadra Khan, who are both scholars of Persian literature. Um, so as we've said on this podcast before, and we'll say again, kind of every line and every word was debated. And sometimes it got really heated. And sometimes we had really... Yes, I, <laughs> we I had, can vouch We all that. have really <laughs> strong opinions. Um, and from what I remember, ultimately it felt like saying, like, I don't know if we would say like heart, one who ravishes the heart or heart ravisher, I don't know what we would want to say for Dilruba, wouldn't make immediate sense to a reader who's maybe like in, in doesn't know Persian, um, isn't familiar with Sufi poetry and the idioms of Persian poetry. Um, it might be more, it's another level of mediation, I think, that to, to go from right. heart ravisher to beloved to divine. Whereas beloved, I think, to us as Sikhs who are versed in Shabud, understand the beloved as the divine. Even as, I think we do have Dilruba mm -hmm. in Gurbani um, a lot. We do. Um, but I think that's a, it's an interesting thing, like what changes if we actually um, mm -hmm. get more specific and don't just say beloved. Mm. Yes, um, 
You know, I mean, I love it in the other languages that we have so many words for love and uh, the lover and the beloved and all. And in English, we seem to be stifled with very few, very few. Maybe we could hyphenate some of them, but would would the world, would the English-speaking world even accept them? Right. Because it would be... I think, if I may say so, mm-hmm. blasphemy. How can you mm-hmm. say that? Because we are not used to that right. language. Right. Mm. So in the second one, he said, I circumulated both the Kaaba and the temple. I found no one there and only saw you. Why does this sound so familiar, Daman? So go ahead. We know this is in Barney, right? We are, and I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, it sounds like Goya saying, "I too went on mm-hmm. pilgrimages," and he's writing about his experience. And if I connect it to the first mm-hmm. couplet, the first, which, which we're not supposed to, because each one is independent, but I still want to connect it because the first one, the beloved resides in the pupil mm-hmm. of his eyes. So wherever he sees, he sees the beloved. But when I was um, getting ready for the podcast today, um, it I it um, another Shabbat struck um, reminded me of this was because we at Sikri team are working very closely with Pagat uh, Pipaji's Shabbat, so the entire team is studying, working, translating this Shabbat, and the last couple of lines of this Shabbat is. Um, it's like, and I'm paraphrasing it, of course. He says, instead of searching for the one by going to temples and wandering like an ascetic or embarking on pilgrimages, I remember the one who dwells within me. You know, it's it, it's so mm-hmm. similar that I've been, you know, I'm, I've been looking, I've done that, but no, I know it's within me. You know, it's interesting also, Daman, you and I were talking about what what Goya was saying about Kaaba and Temple, and I want you to talk to our, to our listeners about yeah, that. I think that um, something you said um, that I want to highlight that I think is interesting to think about is he's saying that he's literally, he's tried these things, right? which I think speaks a lot to his background as a highly educated and someone who is more versed in the history might correct me on this, but I, I would be, feel comfortable saying this, that this kind of reflects he's like a highly educated, he knows multiple languages, he's trained in Persian, um, he's not only trained, he's mastered the idioms and the language of Persian poetry. Um, he's in the court of the guru, right? He's not he is an elite in some ways in his education and his, in his Mm -hmm. knowledge. And he's a scholar and a poet. Um, And he's kind of saying, well, you know, I've done these, I, I understand the hierarchies. I understand the ritual way in which one understands space in either Islam or the certain practices of Hinduism. And even as I've even as I can embody those hierarchies in some way as like a person of society, it's it's all missing something, right? It's all missing the beloved. It's all missing you, and I think it's interesting that it's kind of one imagines that the Gaba is not as crowded as it now is in twenty twenty three. Yes. But it's like kind of a funny thing to be like, well, I found no one there when like presumably lots of people were there, right? If I just think about it at a very literal level, it's like a kind of interesting thing to think about the like actual movement and mobility that he's describing um, that speaks to both like his position as this like person who understands the context of the society he's living in and also is helping us understand his kind of spiritual, mystical relationship to this beloved that he saw within the pupil of his eye, right? That is like residing within him, even as he's like moving through space. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I'd read somewhere when I was um, in, in a biography, and I can't remember, I can't recall, was that he intentionally wrote for mm-hmm. the elite because uh, he wanted to show them, the not, not so much show them, it's like speaking in right. their own language. That's right. what it was. That's what it is. It is speaking in your own language. Uh, immediately, Purinzing comes to mind, of course. I don't know why, because he's in my consciousness. It's, it, I remember that that letter, that letter which he wrote to the British, Sir, Sir Simon's letter. I mean, the vocabulary that he used was exactly mm-hmm. theirs. And so it was speaking in the same language. And I feel Goya is doing the same thing, speaking in that same right. language to get his point across so that there's no misunderstanding right. you know i i know i'm i know what right. i'm saying and we've talked about this yeah. in past but as a reminder or to those who maybe haven't heard the previous episodes of the podcast his goya's like profound ability to engage with and subvert the idioms that would be very well known to people versed in persian poetry at his time is like absolutely unparalleled right and it is he's taking the guzzle form, which is a classical poet form of poetry, and making it his own, which I think speaks to exactly what you're talking about, Inni, right? Where he's embodied this language and takes that language and in like amazing ways allows us to see something completely um mm-hmm. see something that that language maybe isn't necessarily meant to help us see, right? So are you going to read the next castle? Sure. I looked everywhere to seek the truth, but saw God's home within the home of my heart. So this one is kind of interesting. Um, well, all of them are interesting, so that maybe we can, I can, not, I can stop saying that now, maybe. I find all of them interesting. <laughs> um, but the place I w- would want to start here. Um, is I'm interested to think with you about what he might mean here by truth. Um, what what might that truth be? Um, and I think the literal translation would perhaps be something about like seeking the way of truth or the path of truth. Um, so I think there's some ambiguity there about like, is it knowledge or is it a way of understanding? Um, And then the second thing that I would want to point to is the repetition of the word home in the second line. So um, as everyone has already heard, the original Persian, um, in the second line of this couplet, there's a repetition within the couplet, uh, within the line rather, of the word kane or home. Um, And he's literally um, saying that he saw within the home of his heart the home of God, right? Like if we had completely made it literal, we would say home of God and home of my heart, um, which is how possessive um, phrases are grammatically structured in Persian. Um, So I think the repetition of the word home um, is interesting to think about, is that there's kind of two homes that are parallels with one another um, and God's home resides within the home of the heart. Um, we played around with this word a little bit. You know, is it abode? Is it a dwelling place? And we kind of settled on the simple home as a way to kind of um, convey the power of this line. So home is right. more direct, right? right? Um, so I would want to get us started there, but I'm curious, Annie, how you're thinking about this couplet also. So, you know, uh for me, it was, I looked everywhere to seek the truth. I mean, in the ghazal, the truth, I'm looking for the way. I try, I'm i thinking about it. I'm not, truth is not, because that's why I guess we didn't put it with a capital yeah. T. It's really, he's seeking the way, uh, the you know, what it is. And because the last, the second line clarifies it, but saw God's home. So that truth and God, we are, he's associating both you know, if we associate that, then it makes perfect sense that he's looking for the way to that home. 
and that he's calling as truth you know such that what is the uh, what is the way uh, but also also something which was interesting is you know the kaaba and the temple these are physical spaces and many of our many of us understand these places of in many traditions that this is where god resides this is where right so if we connected to the previous uh, couplet though again it's not meant to be but still it's that same thought is being yeah. reaffirmed that god resides within the heart that one is within not in any physical space and you know and this beautiful metaphor which is the house of god the house of my heart you know there's a comparison there's a parallel you could take the kaaba mm-hmm. and the temple and the space mm-hmm. in the heart mm-hmm. uh, and and you know because both the temple and kaaba are really places where people go to search yeah. for the way yeah. for the truth but what is be- what is beautiful what i thought also was thinking that the heart you don't have to walk anywhere right. to go there you don't right. have to take a flight right it's within but boy oh boy it is the hardest place to get to <laughs> looking within is tough right and then you do take a flight so, and then you're like wait i've lost all touch with my body where's my heart i don't know i'm in a new place <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh yeah it's you know this is so beautiful but so the one within the home mm-hmm. of my heart it is i've been everywhere i've looked i've walked so far and it this particular couplet really speaks to you know part of my journey where i was looking and searching and walking uh and crying and you know everywhere looking and then it's just when it was within it really is and that's where you know bani spoke and said don't look outside mm-hmm. look within but even to know to look within for me i didn't mm-hmm. know that i was searching outside because the conditioning or where or how i was raised or you know whatever it was it was always outside and somebody had to give it to me but this was so this one really spoke this was very close yeah yeah i think this um seeking the way or the path is really i think speaking to me in terms of there is in a capital t truth that one looks for and then understands and you've got it but it's recognize that recognition that there is a path to mm-hmm. beyond sometimes feels like the heart is the kind of hard hardest part perhaps of like it's like where yeah where are you walking to like what are you looking for like it's it's right there and and it's so hard to rec- to just like quiet oneself to re- recognize that i think the like within the home of my heart and again i'll do the thing we're not supposed to do and connect it with other couplets but like within the pupil and within the heart are sim- it's a kind of similar thing where it's not like he's saying i've perceived the beloved through my eyes or i've perceived the beloved through my heart it's actually that the beloved is there and that's it, as you're saying like an entirely different relationship to space than what is suggested by the like movement of circum circumambulation around the gaba or the temple or what have you mm Lovely. Oh, so we go to the next one, the fourth one. To be a beggar at your threshold is worthier than any kingship. I realized that authority over the two worlds comes when desires are relinquished. Here it's interesting that you know he share Goya is sharing the first person mm-hmm. style, that the universal truth that in his experience is that. when desires are eliminated when dropped when you've let go 
of even the desire to want to know. It's like Joe mm-hmm. Hair, so hair. Whatever it is, it is. I accept. I even the desire for that that knowledge or that experience, because at the end of the day, it happens on its own. It's not through mm-hmm. effort. It's there's no formula. There is not a prescription. It just and that's that magic or the the beauty of you have no control. So even that desire for that wanting that experience is gone. And then he realizes, I mean, we had talked about it, that the two worlds comes, that that the authority, that the mm-hmm. mastery that to master the two worlds comes when your desires are relinquished. And you and I had spoken about the two worlds because I didn't know, I was confused, or maybe I didn't want to go to what he was talking about. Was it the temporal or the spiritual? Was it, you know, what was it? Was it heaven right. and hell? What, you know, all those things come up and then... You and I talked about it, and I want you to share that. Yeah, I'll try. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll try. But first, maybe let me say about um, just like a a translation um, Mm -hmm. process thing. Um, The language of like kingship. So sultani is in the first line. And Khilafat is in the second, which is, like, the word used for the caliphate. Like, you know, the these are he's using the language of, like, the highest earth, earthly, um, the high, political, I guess, is a better word, but the highest seats of, like, political power within the Islamic tradition, right? So I think that use of the Khilafat and the Sultani are kind of interesting. Again, speaking to his use of... Uh, particular words and language that would be very familiar with those who know Persian and Persian poetry and are versed with the broader Islamic world of the context in which he's existing um, and using that language to convey this thought about um, how one might achieve or work towards like an entirely different type of authority, right? Where it's not He's obviously not talking about, like, political authority when he talks about the authority of the two worlds, over the two worlds. Um, and I, I, I'll be honest, and I think I'm, to say, by saying that I think I'm still trying to figure out what the, these two worlds are, but from what I understand, um, drawing from, like, what little knowledge I have of, like, Sufi thought is he's, the two worlds are the kind of outer worlds and the inner spiritual world, right? And the human body in that conception is like where those worlds meet. Um, And that makes a lot of sense to me in terms of him playing with that idea when we go back to thinking about like, the beloved is within the pupil and the beloved is within the heart. Um, The body, the human body as like a meeting ground of the two worlds, but also the site where one actually is able to encounter the beloved if one relinquishes desire and effort, as you're as you're saying. Um, and that relinquishing of desire and effort as a kind of like opposite to the like political or otherwise power that's suggested by words like kingship. Um, is interesting, right? Because like relinquishing is entirely the opposite of one would what one would do if one was in a position of political or other right. authority. Um, so I think like playing with that, those words and that image of like coming to kingship or coming to authority only when one surrenders or relinquishes is a really powerful image here. Yeah, I mean, you know, the well, anyone who has explored this inwardness, even to a small degree, will know what 
great beauty and power mm-hmm. is within and that automatically actually daman you let go you re- any desire because what you experience even that for a split second or a minute that's real because you've experienced it and you know that this is it yeah and i'm reminded of something that you said to me like maybe at this point two or three maybe three years ago or two and a half years ago or something which feels like yesterday but you know time is not real as we know um but yes. i remember having a conversation with you where like i was like really feeling disconnected and kind of telling you that i've like really been trying to connect in different ways with whatever beloved divine universe whatever it is and i remember you say i remember i said something like oh like i just don't think i can like i don't think i know how to and i remember you saying well like if you start from thinking you there's a way to know how to do it you're never going to get there like that is the the block and it's just about letting go and allowing it to happen and i remember being like well i just don't know how to do that because i just feel like i don't have the ability to do this <laughs> um but i think he's kind of speaking to something similar which is like the act of surrender or relinquishing which is like extremely difficult to do in our human bodies with our human brains but is like how one might even realize come to a realization let alone like actually figure out what these two worlds are but like simply realizing that this is how one can start to understand you know daman there's a mystery to the outer world with the world you see and there's a mystery in the inner world and that mystery when you can see in the outer world and the inner world together that's that moment of wow you know that's that's when that separation even it just everything just kind of just blends in this it's hard to articulate how to put into words it's just that feeling and you know something and it's a silence because you it's as you've entered or you experience something which you could never even imagine and you cannot even talk about you, you don't have the words because and you can't even put like you said time you don't know whether it's one minute two minutes six split second because everything is a standstill you're there you've experienced you something is happening and that's the that surrender just happens then it's not something but i'm impressed that you remembered two and a half years ago or whatever whenever i said it so i'm going to ask you where are you in that journey um I don't know where I'm at in my journey. I think that it feels elusive. Like it feels like what you're describing where it's like there's a momentary realization or maybe it's like outside of time and there's like that moment of insight or like seeing if we want to use the word of the day. And then one kind of goes back to living life as we have to. And then I kind of think that like doubt is constantly there, right? And the question of like trust and belief and knowing. I maybe knowing is a better word than trust or belief. Um but the like tension between knowing and doubt is like always always comes back it seems, right? and there is like that great shabad which you've translated beautifully about like the ravidas shabad right which is like what kind of doubt is this mm, yes it's a doubt what what's the line it's like the king who thinks who's asleep and thinks his kingdom is gone which is like a yeah. doubt that's like laughably silly 
because it's a doubt that's like entirely in in one's mind. Um, so I think about that Shabbat a lot, which we probably have talked about it on this podcast in the past. Um, I can't remember. Um, but that, I think the like question mm -hmm. of doubt and like no, how to know and how to know that doubt is part of that knowledge, but also is preventing one from realizing that like, it's not you and I, or what, what I'm going to completely butcher the Shabbat, so I'll stop before I do that. <laughs> but, you know, where what's the line? You, I'm, what is... You and I, right? there is no difference. There's no difference between the bracelet right. and the gold. It's right. you and I, yeah. It's, I mean, I, when I read that one, it was mind-blowing for me. And it made so much sense because it's the gold and the bracelet is the same thing. It's just different right. form. Um, yeah. And it's that last line of that Shabbat, right? Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Because that surrender right. has taken place. And it's, but it's experiences. You have to trust anything. If anything you trust, you have to trust that experience. Even split second, that is what it is. Go for that that experience because that's yours it's not anybody else's and that no one can take away from you and no one can tell you other anything so that cannot be doubted right. you must never ever think that what you've experienced isn't that that yeah, if that's the only thing I could share right. with you. So let's come to the fifth one, Gazel. Fifth couplet. Goya, I've heard this calling ever since eternity, that the summit of the world is in the origin. Then when we went back and forth on this couplet for so long, I mean, all of us, and so I'm going to stick to the classical meaning and you can do what you want. <laughs> and the classical meaning, you know, that it is like we all want to return to the origin um, because we are separated. And this is, what I, this is what I feel that Goya is saying, that every being that, you know, wants to go back there and... This is that classical wisdom, the classical mystical wisdom that runs through all the puzzles. I feel that's what we've tried to keep it here. I mean, the the crux of the divine wisdom is going back to the origin. We come from the origin, we return from the origin. But I'm interested, um, Devon, in actually the, the Persian words because those really stumped us in translation, and that's where we had, you know, the struggles and um, and then coming to understand and our choice of words of the summit, which I'm I'm not terribly thrilled about, and neither are you, and I think no. neither is Fatima or yeah. Nadra, but there was not another word which we could find. So, talk to us about that, and I love the idea that Goya has, you know, this is where the past, present, future, nothing makes sense because if he's saying mm -hmm. he's heard this calling ever since mm -hmm. eternity. So it time becomes, is, mm -hmm. is not there. It, there's no beginning, there's no end. It is, it just mm -hmm. goes on. It's like, it's like mm -hmm. circular. But I, I'm, I, I'm waiting to hear what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think this was a particularly hard couplet, as you've already said, Any, um A couple of things that I can say, though. Um, the first thing I'll say is, and this is something that listeners have perhaps already picked up on, is the last line of this couplet actually completely um, avoids what the repetitious phrase word has been in this guzzle, the I saw or I looked or I realized. Um, we don't have that in a literal way in this couplet. Um, so if we wanted to translate it completely literally, 
um, with the verb I saw, it kind of seemed to us during the translation process that it would be very difficult to both convey the meaning in English in a way that makes sense to listen to readers and listeners while also retaining that repetition. So that's like an, op I think, remains an open question for all of us. Um, is, is there a different way to translate it? Um, I also would want to just bring up um, what um, the general kind of a loose translation might be of this couplet from the words of Fatima, who's on the translation team with us, who kind of described the meaning of this couplet as Goya saying that since the beginning, he's been hearing that he should be seeing the end of the world in the awe of God. So she really um, emphasized as we were translating that the summit of the world or the end of the world is a an awe, a recognition of awe, is actually seeing the awe of creation. So it's not in an earlier conversation that we were talking about, as you put it, any, like it's not an apocalyptic end of the world, end times, as we might like popularly understand them today, but is actually, as, you're, it, as you put it, um, exactly kind of like confounding the differences between past and present and future. And they're all within one another. Um, and he is saying that he's heard this call since forever, which is like not since the beginning of his life, but like, eternity. Um, so there's like this very complex way in which it's like completely playing with past, present, future, completely playing with like what he himself as the poet, like where, how he exists in time, because here it's like, mm -hmm. he's been hearing this since the beginning of the world, since eternity, since forever. Um, the other thing to just say here. Um, at a more general level is as the last line, as the last couplet of this ghazal, um, sticking with the ghazal format, um, Goya is signing off here, right? So he refers to himself, the writer, in the third person in the first line of the last couplet, as is the tradition with the ghazal form. Um, so that's why we have here Goya talking to himself, I've heard this call or this calling. Um, but th so those are kind of pretty inconclusive general thoughts I have. Um, this one is, does feel like particularly challenging. Yeah, I, you know, for me, it was literally, you know, the, the last line spoke a lot, like we come from the origin, we return to the origin. That was... It just summed it up for me. That was it. There's nothing more. There's nothing less. That's it. And he's saying this that if I look at it, if I look at it another, oh, people mm -hmm. know this. Since eternity, this has been going on. You are you come from the origin and you go. You you know you go mm -hmm. back there. It's that. That cycle, whatever you believe, whatever, whatever it is, that's right. the end. It's a very comforting right. feeling to know that you're going back to the origin. Whatever that origin, however you, you know, you trans, but it is very comforting mm -hmm. to know that. And as a last line, it is, it's like, it's like being mm -hmm. cradled. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. And that the one is within, you don't have to look outside and you'll go back to where you came from. And that's a beautiful place. Yeah. And it's also, I think, reminding me of the earlier um, discussion we had about like walking and looking for something. And it's like, he mm -hmm. also, that one of the tensions in this, Puzzle does seem to be this like, 
he's looking, he's looking, he's looking everywhere, he's circumambulating, he's trying to find the beloved. But at the end here, he's saying, well, like, it's almost kind of feels like, you know, when things are quiet, when you're able to finally quiet things down, you can perceive that, like, well, I've known, I've had this knowledge since forever. This is a knowledge that isn't particular to being in this realm or in this life. But even having that knowledge, I still am looking, I'm still searching, I'm still walking. And it's like, where are you going? Once it quiets down, you're like, okay. Yeah. It's beautiful. So we come to the end of it. This guzzles. 55. I think we have another we have one, do more. we? Yeah. We have two more. How so, wonderful. So we will yes. connect again. And let's not no. wait for 10 months now, please. <laughs> So thank you to our wonderful listeners. You know, it's actually been a delight as um, both Daman and I have received such wonderful, generous comments from all of you, from all of you, from many of you, that how much you have enjoyed this, listening to our chatter. Uh, but we too, Daman and I, I can assure you have grown in this. And Daman, what do you have to say about yes, that? Yes, I think... Even within the conversation, I feel like I always enter. I've read the writing we've done on the puzzle. I've refreshed my memory with particular words. I've looked at my notes again. And I feel like, oh, I know this one. This is a really, I'm always like, this is a really good one. And I feel like I know it really well. And then we literally just start talking. And immediately I'm like, oh, these are actually things I haven't thought about at all. Um, so that's been really fun to just be able to think out loud. And it really mm. does feel like we're just chatting. So thank you to the listeners for bearing with us and listening to us just chat. Um, but as I think we've said before, um, even after having spent X months on each of these translations, the meanings and the layers are not evident. Um, Every time I look at it, there's something new. Um, so I hope that serves as an invitation that people continue to think with us and um, write to us and let us know what their interpretations are, um, what their questions are, because clearly I hope it's clear from our conversation that mostly what we have are questions more than answers. Um, so the more questions, I think, the closer we get to figuring out something about what these puzzles might mean to us. Yeah. So thank you, Daman, and thank you to our listeners. And we will be back soon. I can't wait for the next guzzle to share with you, Daman, and, you know, have this wonderful, beautiful time. Vaigruji ka khalsa, vaigruji ki fateh. You are listening to SickCast by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path.